This week on the EC Pod, Associate Accolades at the ICC Awards for 2023, the Pacific Cup in New Zealand, and our take on roughly halfway through the Under-19 World Cup. We know by the time you've heard this, the group stage is run and done, but we give our early observations and a full wrap next week. But enjoy this week's pod. Welcome in once more to the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Wherever you are around the Emerging Cricket world, thank you for joining us for another week in the Emerging Game. Daniel Beswick with you alongside Tim Cutler. We should have Nick Skinner in a few moments' time, currently in a frantic race to get to his laptop and microphone. But for now, a returning Tim. It's been a little while. He's just come back from New Zealand and the Women's Pacific Cup. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But... uh, how are you, Tim? Uh, warm and another weather crisis there in Vanuatu. How are you holding up? The moment, very hot and very wet intermittently with uh, typical summer weather here. I think the cyclone making its way to Australia, I think people were quite nervous. They could feel it in the air that something was coming here, but it's uh, missed us this time. But uh, I think a very wary community out there thinking that uh, it's only a matter of time but uh, as is the way living here I was back well I wasn't even back for one night I'd landed at two o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday and by uh, it was about 1 a.m when I was sleeping that was shaken awake with a 6.5 magnitude earthquake only about 50 kilometers away to um, to make me do the the patented Cutler waddle stroke sprint to the TV to make sure it didn't fall off the uh, TV table because uh, it's not tethered to the wall. It's in the corner, so there's nothing to tie it to, but that was that was okay. But it was probably the strongest one that I've felt since uh, being here three years now. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, don't think there's too much damage around town from the sounds of it, but, you know, everything's pretty well tuned to taking those kind of rumbles with no high-rises and everything like that so no that is good and i think now now that we're back from the pacific cup and sort of all roads now lead well not all roads because there's sort of two teams preparing for big tournaments but all roads for the men lead towards malaysia in a month's time and you know with the women ticking off and collecting a bronze medal in new zealand and they're now looking towards dubai in three months time for the global qualifier how much should I look into the fact that you've run straight to the TV first? Is it just because it's the only thing that's untethered and, and you have to run and get to, or is it a case of priorities? Look, it's not like this Simpsons scene of them all running and hugging the TV um, or asking the cat to get out of the way because they're trying to watch the uh, Models, Inc. But uh, no, it's only that um, it's a it's a big old thing and it's on plastic legs and it and it gets a bit of a wobble up and it, it come came with lines to tether it to the to the wall but be, like i said because it's in the corner i can't really do that and i i don't know i just hadn't thought about earthquakes for a while and i guess even if i had put it away safely while i was away i would have put it back up again so it just is the first thing i go to because i know that's really the only thing at risk i don't have you know the fine china the bone the off-white china um that's going to fall off any shelves it just is the automatic run to so it, it's a pretty good sprint in the dark actually knowing that as soon as it starts shaking it's like there's a f- couple of 
seconds, not even a couple of seconds, like maybe a half second where you feel, oh, is this hard enough that I need to, <laughs> I need to run? It's amazing the things that you, you start adapting to. The first earthquake, very unnerving. But then I think after a few, you're, like, you're just thinking, oh, how serious is it? And you know whether to run and hold on to it. Things are important. But uh, yes, no, I'm not that, not that obsessed with TV. Daniel, anymore. <laughs> and anyway, I don't know. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I, had to get that I had to get that in. Look, look, we're children of the 90s. Well, sorry, 80s and 90s. You're child of the 90s. I'm 80s and 90s. You know, the, the TV was a big big part of that. You know, you had to get around at the right time. It wasn't any of the stop and pause stuff. You know, to, And if you were recording, you had to wait there and watch it anyway so you could record out the ads. Well, to tape out the ads. We don't even say tape anymore. Tapes. <laughs> Well, we have to, we have to re- recall the intro as uh, Nick Skinner has just jumped into the conversation, ready to talk emerging cricket. Nick, uh, how are you? Uh, you've raced to, to be here, uh, microphone in hand, and, and ready to go. I'm all right. Bit of a busy time. Uh, we've got the move back to Iceland from Denmark coming up, so you know, got uh, stuff flowing out of the bag. Uh, everything's sort of half packed. Um, you know, sorting out what we've got to throw away and. Uh, do a bit of cleaning in the middle of all that. Got my last shift coming up. So, yeah, time of uh, transition. Uh, fun, as always, to be moving house. But um, it's all right because uh, I'm actually leaving a few days before Brooklyn so she can deal with uh, anything I don't I don't get to. Ah, uh, yes, that old chestnut. Just have someone else uh, clean it up for you. There's been, there's been plenty on and apologies uh, a little bit under the weather. So hopefully going to make you two talk a little bit more than me this week uh i'll just sort of wind you up and if it's anything like the simpsons tim we can get you talking for half an hour anyway so uh let's look first to the associate players of the year associate cricketers of the year for 2023 announced by the icc this week uh no real surprises in terms of uh the players there i think a number of players had put their hand up and and provided good cases for the award and it could have gone to multiple players on both sides but on the men's side, we saw Baz Deleda of the Netherlands take out that crown, of course, the hero of the Cricket World Cup qualifier. And then, particularly with the ball, was strong in India during the World Cup. I think he'd probably lament maybe his lack of batting in that tournament, but it was still enough for him to secure uh, that individual accolade. And on the women's side, we saw Queen to Abel of Kenya win the award. Africa played a lot of cricket in 2023, managed to score... 476 T20I runs at an average of 34 and a strike rate uh, approaching 110 and then took 30 wickets with the ball. It was a consistent performer with the ball in both regional qualified Division 2 and then Division 1 as well as the annual Kabuka event. Similar case to Baz a little bit in that uh, she might have thought she could give a little bit more with the bat maybe at the uh, regional qualifier. But Nick, I'll, I'll start with you. Two excellent players uh, who have been... Uh, given these accolades and I think a, a just reward especially on on well looking first to the men's side and the Netherlands having such a great year and one of their players claiming that accolade and then I suppose another nod to Africa with Quinta taking uh, this uh, playing for for Kenya in a region that plays a lot of international cricket yeah we we discussed this a little bit earlier in, in terms of the, uh, the the candidates coming up and you know my sort of favorite before uh, before the announcement was Scott Edwards from the Netherlands for you know for his leadership and and obviously his batting and keeping always very tidy. Um, I, I think it was sort of a bit inevitable really that it would be a Dutch player, you know after uh, after the season that they've had, you know making the World Cup, two victories over full members, the you know the sensational 
way they qualified, that amazing victory over the West Indies. You know, it, it's been a Dutch year, and, and, you know, you kind of have to give it to, to someone from that team. And, and Bastelader, with his, his century against Scotland and five wickets in the same game, you know, <laughs> the, the, the individual performances don't get much more dominant than that. Um, and, you know, especially to, to do it in a clutch game where they needed to, uh, to beat the Scots by uh, a certain amount to qualify on net run rate. So, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to begrudge Delater, even even though he wasn't necessarily my, my choice. But, yeah, good, good effort with the bat. Um, it, it was nice to see him finally uh, kind of getting some runs. Uh, he, he's been a talent with the bat for a number of years, uh, but, but hasn't quite put it together at ODI level. And it seems like, you know, as, as we've discussed before, you know, he's, he's finally kind of coming together as a player after... A couple of years, uh, you know, playing the Super League and, and developing there and, and just, you know, again, how valuable that was for the Netherlands. Um, and, you know, his, his time uh, with Durham, uh, Ryan Campbell bringing him on board in, in the county game. Uh, his, his bowling's certainly come along in, in leaps and bounds as well, and, and he was uh, pretty effective. Uh, yeah, very much deserving for Bastelada and uh, kind of a, 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 an award for the Netherlands by proxy. Um, and yeah, on the other side of things, Quinto Abel, I mean, it, it's a pretty interesting choice that they actually went with her because um, Kenya, you know, they, they were kind of down at a couple of levels. Uh, they, they had to qualify into the, the top level of qualifiers uh, for, for the Women's Africa stuff. Uh, they, they really struggled in the uh, in the top qualifier, although you know that wasn't Quinto Abel's fault. Um, <laughs> the the main reason they were there in the first place was because of Quinto Abel. Um, so yeah, I, I mean she's had a great year in a, in a pretty disappointing team, and I, I just think you know you you look at um, her numbers there and and her performances uh, for Kenya, and you, you just kind of wonder you know how would how would she have gone in a better team, and and you know if she had a bit more support and she wasn't totally carrying the Kenyan side, um, which, yeah, as we know, has, has struggled recently in women's cricket. They, they seem to have kind of stabilised or, I don't know, maybe bottomed out is, is a better term uh, on the men's side. But with the women, you know, they, they've had a couple of retirements, you know, they've, they've had some trouble replacing and they've just had some trouble getting on the field, you know, always a bit of a, bit of a problem for them just in terms of uh, being able to you know, organised games uh, because they're often so cash-strapped. So um, great to see Quintor get some acknowledgement, but yeah, unfortunately didn't have much support uh, with, with the rest of her team mates. Yeah, I, I really don't have too much to add to that. The, um, it's always a tough one with these sort of awards and I remember sitting on panels previously when you try and see past the numbers which is really hard for so many people that are on these voting panels that aren't necessarily on top of what these matches are and who the opposition is as well um which is a challenge when you know the context of of these events and how important these things are but no i echo your thoughts there regarding kenya and you always think uh I think exactly the same thing. I was I was thinking, watching sort of Rachel and Selena in, in the Pacific Cup, sort of, or how these players go in, in, in different situations and better teams where they're supported, there's not so much weight on them. But see, more importantly, see, Nick, I agree with everything you, you've said. It was always going to be a Netherlands award because I think that's the kind of, the one that ever, the, the big light's going on. It would have taken a lot for someone else to be taken. But then I saw a name in the um, the, the voting academy, uh, Daniel Beswick. Did anyone know? I, I, saw, I, I saw a whole list of international cricketers 
who apparently are also commentators and a couple of a couple of journalists. Did, is he a relation, Daniel? Well, nothing like being brought back down to earth. I was telling um, I was telling mum about it again uh, when it when it came around this year, and just got crickets. I was like, oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's nice. a nice dear. Oh, well done. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, just 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 to, just to, just to, just to bring 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 it back down. But I mean, it, I think it's a, I think it's a nod to to us here at Emerging Cricket covering the game uh, every single week um, and having our sort of nose to the grindstone in, in, in what we do with the pod most weeks and and the website as well um and i think it's i think it's a nod to to everything that that we do and i suppose just how much attention that we we put on the associate lists it was tough tossing and turning for three days and i echo the sentiments of tim where i think yeah a lot of a lot of the time with these associate numbers they can be a little bit difficult to really contextualize for a lot of people because i think strength of opponent is is a big part of of who should get what, and you know there were players that scored a mountain of runs um, in the associate world, uh, particularly on the women's side, but played only in say bilateral matches against local opposition or sub regional level qualifiers that that didn't get close. So to see someone like Quinta who did perform at least with the ball at the at sort of the the highest level of the uh, of the level of the game that that she can play at this point in that Kenyan side, I think is is I think a testament to, to people actually looking at what the, the numbers are for what they are. I think I actually went in another direction with my particular vote on that one. I can't even remember now. Um, such was the tossing and turning. I think Rabina Rijka um, and Iris Willing would have been in the conversation as well because the Dutch women had a really good year as well. And on the men's side, I think I might have actually pointed to Scott Edwards' leadership, uh, both at the qualifier and during the World Cup and a couple of his rescue mission knocks. But... I think Buzz would have been. Um, I think I looked at someone like Buzz and went, "Well, if he won it, then you know I'd have absolutely no qualms either," because he was definitely a player in the conversation as well. So it was again an honour, but I, I'd like to think that it's it's thanks in large part to what emerging cricket is and what it has become over five and a half years that we are able to to kind of have that voice in in that conversation. And I think it goes a long way to suggest that what we do is is I'd like to think really important in, in our, in our game. So um, I think that starts with, with not only us three, but, but the contributors around the world that, that do what they do. Nate is, is always around Tom Grunshaw, Shaunak. Oh, we've got, you know, dozens of, of people that, you know, Armin Patel doing the pod now with Nate and just the, the people who have been, you know, chiming in um, over the last few years. I think it's, it's a nod to everything that, that we do and yeah I, I think it's it's a testament to, to emerging cricket and, and and what emerging cricket has become in this space here here i think that it's all three of us now that have been have been part of that and that's uh, absolutely all that hard work behind the scenes knowing that yeah none of us do this for any cash quite the opposite i think we've all seen our bank accounts go down to uh, <laughs> to be part of this um, like uh, most people in the world, you don't get involved in uh, associate cricket to get rich, do you? Um, uh, what was it? The, the best way—the best way to be a, a millionaire in associate cricket is to start with a billion and work <laughs> your way down. Let's move on to the Pacific Cup 2024. Tim, of course, there on CEO duties slash team manager duties. I want to say for the Vanuatu girls. No, just no. We had uh, Mary. Mahook there is a manager. Yeah, so... Um, ah, yes. A legend. Olympian holds almost every running 
record there is for Vanuatu. Now, I was basically there as a driver, <laughs> as a, a bad cricket watcher, um, officiating complainer driver. I think that was um, an occasional credit card holder. But, uh, geez, I drove well, drove it really well, that uh, Kia Carnival. But, uh, but no, <laughs> superb tournament um, to know how much money how much effort had gone into it by all parties beforehand, but then how much money on top of that New Zealand cricket put into it. And to find a partner like South Seas Healthcare, Pacifica Focus Healthcare provider in, in New Zealand that took, I think, a lot of the brunt out of the cost there. But it was almost like our first insight into what a, a full member tour is like almost in that, you know, things are all taken care of once you landed to be sort of handed higher cars when you get there where you're just used to getting on a, on a bus um, and then um, for all bits and pieces to be taken care of included, including all all meals which is one of those things that associate cricket when you look at uh, any tournament even if it's an ICC one that pays for and then we're getting quite nitty gritty here but it's just to highlight how important these things are you know they'll pay you know your breakfast when you're in the hotel and then match day meals when you're at the ground but everything else it's up to you know, the team or the, or the players. So that's, you know, $25 or whatever you look at per player per meal really starts to add up. So how much it costs to go on, on these tours. Um, it was great to have a facility like Lloyd Ellsmore Park, which I guess for New Zealand is like, you know, just another park that happens to have three fields out there, but to have three international standard fields at one venue, I think a lot of us were just looking at it and salivating, thinking, geez, if, if all of us just had one of these, let alone plenty of them, was was great. The streaming quality, I think, was a another step up. I think it was a, an alternate provider, I think, that was looking to go for New Zealand cricket um, content, which just says how much talent there is anywhere. I think that probably was an example of what you can do with four cameras as we look forward to what's going to be delivered over the uh, ICC TV version 2. We can only... We, I hope if something of, of, of that standard was 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 good from a Vanuatu point of view um I think you would have probably predicted a third place finish playing against PNG for the first time on turf against a side that have played a lot and then against a New Zealand Maori team that you know majority are professional cricketers you've got white ferns in there and I think all but two playing super smash cricket but I think the loss to Samoa is probably the, the the hardest one for me in that, you know, it's a team that we, we should have been beating. And although they had Regina Lilly back, I think it was fair to say that Regina wasn't in the same form that, that she was when she brought to, to Vanuatu back in 2019 and hasn't played for Samoa for for five years. Um, and I think anyone that watching the stream, uh, as they were able to, because it was free everywhere around the world, either on uh, on YouTube it was on free-to-air TV here as well, and also Digicel picked it up in the Pacific, which was which was great. But there were a couple of umpiring decisions in those first few overs for LBW's left arm over coming to right-hand batters that I think left a lot to be desired, which uh, had a profound impact on our, our batting innings. But you know, as I look at the the numbers now, we had you know highest run score, a third highest run score, you know two of the top five wicket takers, the highest. Cat, uh, most catches, you know, there were a lot of great individual performances, but I think it just shows that, you know, team performance beyond that need to need to bind together better. You know, we lost by sort of 15, 16 runs to uh, 
to PNG, and that that included one ball hitting the helmet after going through the uh, the wicketkeeper's legs, a couple of misfields on the boundary, and then too many wides. You know, at, at that level, when you're looking at those kind of scores, it makes a huge difference to to try and control the controllables. So, I think it was a great tournament for Vanuatu leading into the global qualifier with a lot of lessons to be learnt and only reaffirms to me just how much talent is in the squad um, and where players like Rachel Andrew as I sort of tweeted when after she got the 100 but and Selena could be at home in sort of any side around the world you know whether we're talking about inter- dropping them into international sides like the old international cricket on uh, on Nintendo where you pick up the fielder and just drop them into a, into a position to be the same but also sort of any I suppose a little bit more relevant and sort of into any any franchise team so I just hope the next couple of months preparation and then performances in the global qualifier gives them that platform as individuals and, and, and as a team and it was also the first time for us we break, basically brought together two very distinct halves of a squad you know, before this tournament you know, the team is you know 100% homegrown and would have been coming from Port Vila but we had half the team that had been on seasonal work in Queensland through I Comply coming to this tournament directly and then the other half um, coming from Port Vila well almost the entire half there was Melissa Fare that went to New Zealand on holiday and just happened to be in town to watch the tournament when one of our players didn't travel due to illness and then uh, stepped in and took three wickets in the win against uh, Fiji. So that's a, that's a good little side note too. But it was the first time them, them coming together and us, I'd say, tweaking their training program or at least observing them playing after being in, in Queensland and how we can tweak that leading into Dubai. So they're just real important... I don't want to call it match practice because they're T20Is uh, and with the new funding model having a, a quite hefty um, funding link to T20I rankings across men's and women's, which is which has parity, which is, is great between men's and women's, but just shows how important all of these matches are. And if you're thinking about blooding players in T20Is, you may think differently these days um, considering how important our favourite thing, the rankings are, when it, uh, it comes to T20 internationals for men and women. Uh, looking... Uh upwards of Vanuatu winning or finishing in third place. PNG coming back from a group stage defeat to beat New Zealand Maori in the final, uh, now led by Brenda Tao, taking over from Kaya Arua. Uh, Brenda was was quite impressive having spoken and worked a little bit with her in the qualifier uh, last year as well. She keeps for the team as well, so angles in the field aren't necessarily a problem for her as well. But... Yeah, Nick, looking at, at say, the, the Maori team led by uh, Carrie-Anne Tomlinson, who we actually know from the women's qualifier last year as the coach of Samoa, um, played a little bit, actually, for the Netherlands internationally. She was based over there for a few years. Uh, a couple of uh, senior internationals in, in the team as well. Eden Carson uh, got a run. Jess McFadgen, the keeper, as well. So uh, plenty of strength in that New Zealand Maori team and for a team like PNG to go ahead and go toe-to-toe and actually beat them in the final, a good bounce back after maybe their qualifier disappointment last year in uh, Vanuatu, which saw Vanuatu go and take that global qualifier spot. Yeah, good effort for them. Um, I, th- I think it's worth dwelling on the fact that uh, you know Brenda Tower is, is captain and wicketkeeper. I can say that, you know... We- <laughs> Speaking from experience, you know, wicketkeeping is mentally draining enough as it is. So, you know, putting captaincy on top of that is uh, you know, a great effort from her and 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 um, a good tournament from PNG, getting over a, a pretty strong New Zealand Maori team and 
you're just on that point. Um, Samantha Curtis is another who's played senior cricket for New Zealand. Um, so, yeah, you know that that squad had a lot of big names in it, had a lot of strength. Uh, so I, I think it's um, to Tim's point, you know, cricket New Zealand's clearly putting a lot of effort into this. They're taking it seriously. Uh, they're they're not just rolling out some you know chairman's eleven type thing with some some randos. They're they're actually putting together a strong team that's um, you know respecting the opposition in in the Pacific, and and I, I think that's great. And you know, the, the more New Zealand and Australia step up and, and help um, other other teams in the Pacific and, and you know, sort of fill that role of, of uh, developing the game, I think the, the, you know, the future looks pretty bright for, for cricket in the Pacific. And, and it, it's not just a kind of uh, a charity thing. I, I think, you know, if, if New Zealand and, and Australia can build up these teams to be uh, competitive, you know, then then you start having you know good regional rivalries and and uh, you've got a few more options for you know who you might want to play some matches against. So it just it just helps everyone. So you know once again good effort from New Zealand. Um, you know big big ticks from them on the administrative side and um, you know uh, big ticks for PNG uh, winning this tournament. Uh, Sabona Jimmy as well in in the final. Um, yeah, definitely worth uh, highlighting her performance there with a Pfeiffer and then and then top scoring. So uh, another sort of one-person job to to get over the line. Um, it's interesting to see PNG beating a, a pretty strong New Zealand Maori team in the final here because yeah, as as you referred to, PNG stumbled in the regional qualifiers against uh, Tim's Vanuatu girls, who, who we'll get to. But um, you know, looking back at previous. Uh, global qualifiers that, that the PNG women have been involved in. They've sort of had flashes, but they've never really uh, threatened. So, you know, you think if they can beat a, a pretty decent New Zealand Maori team here, you know, maybe uh, looking forward, they're, they're not, you know, thing, things are not as bad as they seem, you know, missing out uh, at regional level. And, you know, conversely, the fact that Vanuatu were able to beat them and, and get past them uh, just indicates, you know, how, how good Vanuatu were in that tournament. I, I think... Um, Looking, looking at kind of the results and the statistics, uh, it's it's a bit of the same old story with with Vanuatu. You know, Selena Solomon, top wicket taker. Um, Rachel Andrew, uh, top run scorer. Valenta Langiatu, third top run scorer. Basically, uh, you know, those three are sort of the core of the team for Vanuatu, and uh, they have been for for a few years now. And and when they perform, as we saw at the regional qualifiers. They can beat anyone, but the the problem is there's just been a bit of a lack of uh, uh, a support for them, and and this is kind of a, a recurring theme in a lot of associate cricket. Really, is you know you have sort of two or three gun players, and and then it's it's um, I don't want to say making up the numbers because you know there is a lot of talent in in Vanuatu, but they they just haven't been able to sort of show it on the field as effectively as as you would like. And you know Tim, you know better than anyone uh, the the situation with that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, looking across at, at other teams here, um, you know, uh, Samoa with uh, Regina Lilly top scoring in most of the games, um, so it's basically uh, <laughs> Regina Lilly or bust. Um, you know, Fiji really struggled, um, but yeah, so it's it's kind of a recurring problem, and uh, it, you know, it's just I think more of these tournaments will allow these players to to develop more and and get more exposure at the top level, and. Um, you know, potentially the the younger kind of generation will be able to get a bit more experience and then be able to provide a bit more support to the star players. So um, yeah, more of this and uh, 
good effort from from Cricket New Zealand in, in terms of the, the standard of the tournament. Just to tie a bow on the competition, the Cooks finished fifth uh, with a win over Fiji in the fifth place playoff. Uh, seem to be doing reasonably okay with the resources that they have, um, being able to put out a team and and travel, uh, I think, in the first part is, is a massive achievement for the, the Cooks who seem pretty well organized again with the resources that they have. Um, it'd be good to get a lot of the kind of Pacific uh, individuals and, and and people around to, to sit down and have a bit of a Pacific seminar of, of cricket because there are some fascinating people and Grant Walker is certainly uh, one of those people. And looking to Fiji who came last at this tournament and I, I just have... I just can't help but think to have, you know, a pretty sort of grim outlook at, at what Fijian cricket is at the moment. It doesn't really seem like a lot is going well and going forward. And it's been a case for, for a long time. You know, this is not necessarily a, a new observation, but, you know, in terms of the Pacific region, you know, cricket in the country just hasn't seemed to have had that cut through. We did see them in an under 19 Men's World Cup going back a few years now, but yeah, just there, there's just no one really standing up from an organisational standpoint, Tim, unless there was someone there in, in New Zealand that was, was standing up. They just, there just doesn't seem to be a big presence um, in the region and around the, the sort of cricketing uh, culture in, in the Pacific. And, and I don't know, Tim, if, if I'm sort of getting into a delicate topic here for you, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's really an end game in, in Fijian cricket, to be honest. I don't have too much to add there. I think so. The proof is in the pudding. Um, you mentioned about the under 19s. Well, the under 19 did, men's team did quite well in Darwin. They've gone through to Division 1. I think they actually beat PNG there. So there's a little bit of light there on the horizon or maybe at the, the end of the tunnel. But uh, yeah, I think the, the, the GM will has been there for a couple of years now after being being promoted through and I, I know it's a big struggle there when you've got such a huge following for for rugby both from government and um, and the community uh, I, I think that a good thing for Fiji will be well I think it's a good thing for everyone will be the access to solidarity funding and whatnot through the Olympic movement now with cricket being in in, in 2028 but uh, yeah I think if you look back and see where Fiji were, and that's a long time ago now, but the sort of early 2010s when the men's team were, you know, very much in the thick of it in, well, cricket league divisions, um, you know, sort of three and four and, and, and what's happened since. I know there's been a bit of, bit of change at a, at a board and, and administration level, and I think that, that upheaval, kind of we, similar if we look at, uh, at Kenya, has a, had effect on the, on the, on the field. But, um, look, a strong... Fiji will only help to strengthen Pacific cricket, so we can only hope for that. But, uh, yeah, I think your observations are pretty bang on. As we let uh, Tim Cutler go off to Vanuatu cricket duty and some training, uh, let's talk about the Under-19 World Cup going on. We did mention in the previous point uh, New Zealand's men had to go through regional qualification as they sat out the last Under-19 World Cup due to COVID, uh, which is at a detriment of the Pacific region who don't get necessarily an associate qualifier from that region. But looking to the four associates here thus far, USA, Scotland, Nepal, uh, Namibia, it hasn't been the greatest start. And 
uh, we went to bed here before recording uh, Australian time and the Associates were in a really good spot. There were three of them playing uh, yesterday evening, our time, Scotland, Nepal and Namibia all looked in decent positions when I went to bed and then woke up and saw all of them lost. Uh, Namibia are in the Kimberley group. That Kimberley wicket is incredibly slow leading to some low scoring games and after bowling Sri Lanka out for I think it was 133 they struggled in reply it's been tense and runs have come at a premium in that particular group uh Nepal got off to an okay start against Pakistan only to fall away a couple of crucial wickets falling in that uh, match against Pakistan in the middle overs and then uh Scotland after a great opening partnership maybe a little bit too overly reliant on uh, the top two or three players. And then looking to USA, who have only played the one match as we do record, uh, lost quite heavily to Ireland and I have to say was a, a slightly disappointing performance. But Nick, there has been some individuals stand out uh, from the associate side. Uh, Zachiel van Vieren uh, has been great for Namibia, top scoring in one game, taking four wickets in the other. Uh they found it hard against the pace of, of Callum uh, Vidler in the first game, who was genuinely express. So Namibia have gone over two. Same with Nepal, but have had two tough opponents in uh, New Zealand and Pakistan. Pakistan have come into this tournament highly touted. And uh, same with Scotland have, have played, uh, you know, are in a, in a tough group playing England and then the West Indies. And I think they've got South Africa in their group too. So looking to those three, it's it's been... A baptism of fire, so to speak, and then maybe looking to the USA, who were a little bit disappointing in that first outing against Ireland. But hopefully, we'll show a little bit more with the ball, maybe with some more runs on the board, and and hopefully a, a few more positive uh, performances individually to speak about. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think you're right about there there being some like some flashes of of uh, of excitement and brilliance. You know, that match even against Australia, you know, Namibia. Uh, yeah, they were blown away with the bat, but they they made a fist of it with the ball. You know, they they had Australia six down by the time they uh, they passed the target, which is um, y- you know largely uh, largely due to uh, to Jack Brassel there, uh, very good early. Uh, him him and Junior Carriada actually uh, were very good as well uh, at the top of the order against uh, Sri Lanka, as you said, bowled them out for 133. Um, number of maidens there. Very tidy, uh, put a lot of pressure on uh, in, in in that first sort of run of play, and um, you know a good bit of fielding as well to get an early run out. So I, I think the bowling for Namibia is is um, is pretty encouraging. Uh, as you say, yeah, the the, the track hasn't helped, um, and yeah, I mean you you look at the way that Namibia batted there, they they just really struggled in the in the response um, defending. Uh, sorry, chasing uh, 133 and you know being bowled out for 56. Uh, you, yeah, it it is disappointing because it looked like you know at the halfway stage they had a pretty good chance. Um, yeah, and Zakaria Van Vuren, um, for for that one, uh, the the main uh the main wicket taker there. So yeah, some 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 good prospects in in terms of the ball, the batting. It's it's hard to know how much it, it is just adjusting to to a sluggish deck and, and how much it is, um, you know, just genuinely genuinely being completely outclassed. But you know, if you look at the Namibian senior team, bowling is is kind of uh, maybe more of a priority because they have a lot of batters 
um, and they don't necessarily uh, have have the spaces to fit everyone in in that top order already. So uh, whereas you know they've they've sort of rotated through a, a lot of bowlers and and there's uh, a couple of weak links um, in that attack. You know especially when when David Visa is not available. So if they can sort of replenish their 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 seam bowling stocks. I guess that's maybe more of a priority, but yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to be looking at where the next sort of generation is coming from. Gerrit uh, Janssen van Rensberg, who has played a couple of matches for the senior team, has been very disappointing at the top of the order. Um, Volschenk, I, I think, maybe has been sort of there or thereabouts for the for the senior team. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's the captain here, but yeah, again, disappointing uh, with the bat. So... Mixed bag for Namibia. Um, had Australia in a spot of bother, which is is something to to talk about. But ultimately, you know, you want to be converting those those good positions. Um, and yeah, I mean, speaking of converting a good position, Scotland, you know, one for 120 or so against the West Indies, and then they they kind of had a bit of a middle order collapse after um, after Dunk was dismissed, who you know they have been quite reliant on so far. Um, and yeah, they couldn't really push on, and, and the West Indies in that game got got over the line pretty comfortably in the end. I think, I mean, Nepal, you know, their match against uh, against Pakistan, you know, they sort of cruised home Pakistan, but you know, they they weren't a million miles away. Nepal, you know, they they held them to the 48th over, chasing a, a pretty low total, 197. Um, but you know, once again. You look to who's who's going to be sort of taking the wickets and scoring the runs. Um, you know, is is Dev Kanal standing up for them? Uh, Gulshan Jar as well. You know, if those two guys aren't doing the bulk of the work, it it, it seems like um, Nepal are are a bit of a uh, sort of a, a bit lost in terms of where they where they're going to be um, where they're going to be finding runs from. In this in this eleven, and I mean, to to compare it to the N- Namibia situation, Nepal's batting lineup, at least in T20, even towards the the 50 over stuff, is is pretty good at the moment. So, you know, if if they're not necessarily finding too many good batters here, maybe maybe it's not the you know the the, the biggest cause for concern. Um, but yeah, you know, you 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 always want to be looking at the sort of the next level of of production and. Um, no one's no one's been particularly impressive uh, that we don't kind of already know about in the Nepali scene, and I guess Nepali under 18s, sorry, Nepali under 19s is sort of interesting because you know a lot of a lot of the time the <laughs> there'll be someone who who does really well in you know under 19s and they get fast tracked into the senior team and they play a couple of games they get discarded they fall off the radar they come back they, so this this kind of cycle of chopping and changing that has been going on for a number of years in Nepal. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's good if they kind of stick with more or less the same senior team and they they let the um, the the youth sort of develop more naturally in the domestic scene. They've got the PM's Cup happening, um, and you know so that's a, a domestic 50 over tournament that is um, kind of expanded, I, I believe, over previous editions. Um, so yeah, I mean the the Nepal situation is one that. As ever, it's not necessarily that they're lacking talent. It's it's just that you know, what they do with it is is kind of a a question mark. But yeah, I mean, it it is disappointing that none of these teams have been able to pull off a win so far. 
Um, but in, in terms of the development side of things, uh, it's kind of uh, you know you, there's there's some there's some talent coming through. I had a brief chat to Lenny in one of his comms breaks yesterday after or during uh, Nepal v Pakistan, and a lot of them felt to left arm orthodox and <laughs> said something along the lines of you know if only they face a little bit more elite uh, Rajbanshi in the nets, so they might go a little bit uh, a little bit better. But there are encouraging signs i think for all these teams in, in in some respects but again it's very much a case of uh one or two players standing up i, I will give uh namibia one thing and, and talking to rudy van uh rudy van Vieren, um, who of course is a, a name we don't need uh to hype up anymore in, in emerging cricket circles everyone knows what what he's done and what he's achieved both on and off the the cricket field uh and even on other sporting fields as well but he made a good point, and it's been shown actually more in their fielding uh, that the team are up and about. He described them as like stallions ready to run, and I think in the field they've been up and about. You know, when they've been defending that low total uh, against Australia, they were up and taking you know most, if not all, their catches and and rocket arms in the field and great fielders. There was a great run out actually where Junior Carriata actually finished it off uh, at the bowler's end by picking the ball up and flicking it back with some good reflexes. So. They're well drilled. Oscar Neuhaus um, is the high performance manager at Cricket Namibia and takes the under-19s and then uh, Pierre Debrain comes in and, and helps out uh, every so often as well and they've got some senior players that they do some work with too. So you can tell that there are prospects there. That Kimberley surface has been incredibly slow and probably not a great indication of, of maybe how good, say, the batters are, for instance. Um, it's been tough for them, but there has been some good signs. And yeah, you're just hoping that this, if anything, just bloods the senior teams, I suppose, of these four particular teams a little bit. We'll talk a, a bit more, I think, about USA maybe next week because they've only really played one game uh, and, it, and it was a tough a tough sample size to really sort of gain any any real uh, insight into that. You know, they were bowled out for not many against Ireland in, in, in one game and that can happen to, to anyone and the bowlers really didn't get much um, of a chance to, to kind of bowl any with any particular plans given how desperate they were defending a low total so uh, i think we can wait maybe till after the group stage see how many of these teams can sneak into the super sixes of course that three teams from each group goes through so there is a chance that one win can be enough um whether or not that helps you in the next stage uh well it doesn't really because you carry over the points with the other progressing teams in the next phase anyway but be good hopefully if if a team you know snags a win here and there and and finds their way into that super six stage and 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 gets to play a a little bit more cricket because we know the format is a little bit different this year with fewer games for those teams who fall outside of say the top eight or the top 12 in this case in in the super sixes yeah i mean you you say that and yeah the the us were disappointing and and we can kind of do a post-mortem or or, you know wait for the beginnings post-mortem there but you know even even in that game you know, Aya Gug with a couple of early wickets looked looked pretty dangerous against Ireland. So there, there's still there's still little flashes of uh, of inspiration coming through. It's just, yeah, it's it is it is disappointing that, and I mean, I guess this is part of the issue is that, you know, we talk about the lack of opportunities for associate, um, you know, senior teams, let alone the youth stuff. You know, a bunch of those Australia players were were involved in a you know, a youth test series last year against England and, and have had a bunch of 
um, you know, experience at a kind of underage level. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that really doesn't happen for associates and, and even lower ranked full members to have that kind of expansive underage program. And um, it, it really shows, you know, all of these associate teams have, they've, they've been found out, but it's, it's just, you know, they, they haven't faced, you know, you, you talked about um, Vidler before from, from Australia, they haven't faced someone like that before. They haven't had that experience or that opportunity to accustom themselves to, to the highest standard. And, you know, I, I think if they if they were to play more regularly, like senior associate teams, we would we would see them do a lot better. And, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that kind of we, we see these players, you know, once every four years or, well, yeah, once. Uh, and for most of them, a couple of them, will probably be young enough to, to do another cycle uh, at, at underage level. But, you know, we, we see them once and then, you know, they disappear and, um, you know, they, they don't really get the opportunity to, to gel as a team and, and to, to gain experience. So um, that that's kind of a shame. But, uh, you know, they, they've got to perform in the limited opportunities they have. As you uh, pointed out, the beginnings, guys, I'm sure, will take a, a great look at the USA campaign in, in more interest through uh, the big innings uh, and we will have uh, I suppose yeah a little bit more uh, data and, and cricket for us to make our assessments as well uh, and hopefully next week we have a couple of teams in the running from a, a Super 6 standpoint but the 19s again is, is a great platform for a lot of these players and, and these are some of the players that we will see uh, jumping into senior 11 cricket sooner rather than later and yeah it's it's an enjoyable tournament to watch and and a shout out to to Lenny who's on the broadcast and a friend of emerging cricket there uh in that Nepal group giving his take and he's been great actually teaming up with HD Ackerman in particular in in the comms as well so uh have enjoyed that immensely but once again we'll we'll talk about the under 19s in greater depth next week Finally, to wrap up, the 2024 ACC Men's Challenger Cup has begun in Thailand. Cambodia took the spot from the qualifier stage over Myanmar and China, and it put them in Group A, which pits them alongside Indonesia, a team that they have had some bad blood with in the past after that forfeit result in November late last year. Bhutan, Cambodia, Indonesia and Saudi Arabia take up Group A with Japan, the Maldives, Singapore and Thailand making up Group B, and the top two teams of the tournament will qualify for the 2024 ACC Men's Premier Cup, which will be held in Oman in April. That's everything in the Emerging game this week. For more, log on to EmergingCricket.com. On behalf of Nick Skinner, Tim Culler, and myself, Daniel Beswick, enjoy your week in cricket.